Hey y'all, I'm Sunflower. I'm Iris. I'm Foxglove. And I'm Sage. And this is And They Were Roommates, a podcast about modern love, life, and everything in between. Disclaimer, we are not experts at being adults. We've just lived through a lot. This week, we're going to be answering some questions from our wonderful listeners. We went through some of the questions folks sent in and pulled out the ones that would be easiest to answer and decided to just do a whole bunch all at once. Yeah, let's hop right into it. All right. Um, so I'll start. I have the first question from one of our Patreon subscribers, Gareth. And Gareth wants to know, how did you come out to the people in your life slash strangers? And how do you de-stress about doing it? Hmm. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does anyone have a one. strong desire to kick us off on that? Or should I go for it? I mean, if you have a strong desire, you should go Take for it. Take us away. Well, I think we've talked before about how, to some extent, coming out is sort of a cost-benefit analysis, hmm. especially if you have, for example, kind of like a tiered identity like myself. I'm more likely to come out to a stranger who I meet in an environment that doesn't affect my ability to, say, keep a job or um, get medical care. And in those environments, I'll tell any fucking idiot that I'm queer <laughs> or trans or poly. Like, it just it doesn't like register if it's a person who doesn't have any power over my life. On the other hand, I go to a lot of doctors because I have some chronic health issues and yeah, sometimes I have like been outed at a doctor or come out at a doctor's office and that's gone badly for me. Um, so to some extent, I don't de-stress about it, A, because I have anxiety, but B, because like sometimes it does affect my life in a way that I'm not super comfortable with gambling on. Yeah. Like, sometimes it really matters. Yeah, like, you know, I, I went to a doctor recently who pretty much stopped taking me seriously once her uh, intern corrected her on my pronouns. And mm, not that's not a unique experience. So to some extent, like, I'm very open about being queer. I'm cagier about being trans. Mm. And for the record, that's super fucked. We would yeah, love it is. To never happen again. Yeah. yeah, and you know, it's one of those things where, in a perfect world, it wouldn't be a concern. But we live in the real world where sometimes the environment you're in affects how you come out. And absolutely, I do. Yeah. I will say though, I occasionally come out as poly, specifically as a fuck you to a very specific kind of person <laughs> um, who I used to work with a lot as an EMT. Uh, including one memorable conversation where a guy I was working with went on and on about how um, girls only like guys that treat them like shit. And my response was, well, I have two girlfriends and a boyfriend, so you get back to me on how that's working for you. And we didn't have any further conversation for the four-hour drive. It was incredible. That's yeah, the, the biggest power move that I think I've ever heard of Just from you. It's spectacular. Just his bullshit down on the spot. It was so vindicating. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think I've got, obviously, a different perspective because I'm a white cis man, uh, so I don't face the problems that you have with coming out. Uh, but I am bisexual and I am poly, and I'm mostly comfortable not disclosing that uh unless it's to a group of people who like you said like i don't work with and don't have the power to affect my life in any meaningful way like we've You're definitely a private been... dude in general as well we've yeah i think that's yeah. for the record yeah that's that's fair I, I don't typically say a lot about myself unless asked and even a lot of times, if you ask me directly about something, I will say, yes, I am bisexual, or yes, I am poly, um, but it's it's not something that I typically volunteer about myself, uh, unless it's in a social, social situation with a bunch of people that I don't know, probably won't come into contact with again, or where I might potentially make new friends who will be okay with the fact that I'm poly. Uh, that's always a plus. It is. That's always a fun thing. Yeah. I have a split one. I'm super not out to like my... Well, I shouldn't say that, I guess, anymore. Part of my family knows about being pan and being poly, and some of it doesn't, uh, i.e. my parents. My parents do not know. Um, and I'm, like, working on how I feel about that. Yeah. Because at some points in everything, too, I have, like, a pretty good relationship with my parents, but also, like, we don't get along on a lot of things. I can black and white this. My parents are very Republican and pretty freaking conservative. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And from a rural town mm -hmm. in uh, the Northeast. Just gotta so, say it. Yeah. 
Sometimes um, you just gotta so, be blunt. Exactly. So like the idea of coming out to them is even it's is probably worse than what it would actually be in person. Like I, I really think I could come out to my parents and it would be awkward and they would have a hard time with it, but I don't think that they would be like super shitty or disown me. But like the idea that that's like a potential or just like it's almost worse to be like they're going to be okay with me, but they'll continue saying kind of shitty things to like the general queer community. But just because I'm their daughter, it's okay. Yeah. And that makes me feel like kind of wonky. Yeah. But I will say I'm very open in like social situations. And also like we live in New York City. So like, yeah, I'm yeah. pretty out there. Yeah. I also like I don't always black and white like I am pan and polyamorous, but it's more often like my partner and my partner and my partner. Yeah. It just comes out as a yeah. natural part of the conversation without a label on it. Yeah, do you exactly. want to talk at all, son, about um, coming out to coworkers or your boss and stuff like that? Because you and I are both yeah. pretty out at work. Hmm. I don't know if you want to speak to that at all. Yeah, why don't I start and then you can pick up where you feel yeah, like absolutely. it? Yeah, Um. So Iris and I are very privileged to have a workplace that's pretty cool with us. Yeah. Um. So Iris and I are both part of our like workplaces gay club. Which is really cute. <laughs> an adorable I like the idea of calling it a is, gay club instead is, of an um, employee resource group. <laughs> I like it's a gay it's a gay club. Um, so we do that like monthly ish, and also like we're part of leadership, so we do a little more than that. But w- through just being part of that, like all of our coworkers know that we're like some how queer maybe don't don't know the exact labels of it and everything but everyone at work kind of knows that we are because we're associated with this group and that's pretty cool and like i've never felt anything like super weird about that and like my boss has never like invaded on that and also like recently i had to recently in a conversation about like finances and how i was doing emotionally with my manager and everything i actually came out as poly because i got engaged to one of my partners but a different partner is on my health insurance (laughs) (laughs) So it brought up some questions. <laughs> um, and he like super rolled with it. He's always an awkward guy, but it was really just like, I was like, well, I'm polyamorous in like one breath. And he was like, oh, uh, yeah, okay, they're right. Uh, mm-hmm, yep, definitely. I was, <laughs> I was in the other room for this conversation and I heard it was like pretty much exactly that phrasing yeah it was like it yeah I, I felt really bad for it just sort of having to come out like that but also it seemed like it ended up pretty well in the end it was relevant and honestly like it's kind of nice to have like this better understanding because like him and i are pretty close as yeah. like managers and subordinates can be and everything but like right. it was nice for him to just like kind of know a little bit more about like my home life because at this point he already knows that i live with he already knows that like three of us work for the same company together so like mm-hmm. that also you know it's it but and they were roommates you know like <laughs> in that way in the name. oh my god they were roommates <laughs> yeah and the thing is that like you and i already like because we work on the same team like everybody yeah. kind of had to have some sort of idea that something was like different about our relationship because like i would just like go over to your desk while you like had like run to grab water or something and like if I arrived at your desk and you weren't there I would just stop pawing through your stuff sitting in your chair like I'm just like like, you would just take what you needed because like I'm the kind of I'm a mom at heart I'm a mom (laughs) I have do not have any children but I am a mom at heart so I always have like snacks and extra chapsticks (laughs) and usually some drinks in my purse you have supplies Um, sometimes I have a cardigan yeah a cardigan a sweater sometimes a scarf (laughs) like one as if he didn't have three cardigans on the back of your chair at all times at work. <laughs> Look, our heat was broken for an entire winter in that room. It was so goddamn. There were times when you. I wore multiple cardigans. Yeah, yeah, no, it was really a problem. But yeah, so so like that. That's kind of how it's te- tended to come out at work specifically as well. Is just like something happens and it just kind of organically like we come out and um we're very lucky that that's always been like we've always felt safe um to do so um in that circumstances but um i can also talk i think i'm is it safe to say i'm the most out as polyamorous specifically at this yeah point? i think that's safe i'm to say. i think well, you and fox are probably yeah. yeah about even i'm also very out yeah i was also i was gonna say um 
just the quantity of people I know. Oh yeah, no, I <laughs> I don't. Mean. I know four people of, other than <laughs> you guys, and two of them are my parents. Like yeah, and that's like out my awkward everyone. part too. Is like I'm out to like a lot of people, just not my parents and one of my brothers. Yeah, right. and like that's yeah. a weird thing too. But like literally everyone else in my life like knows. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very out to the people in my life. There's only like six of them though. Yeah. yeah. So like that's that's more what I meant. It's like you can measure the quantity of people. The yeah, quantity no. a I, bit I'm different. a diehard introvert. We can we can acknowledge this. Yeah, yeah. No, Are you exactly. just trying to flex though? No, like, is no. This, is this a polyflex? No. no, this isn't a polyamorous flex. Uh, no, I meant more um, in that I've had, um, especially recently, a lot of occasions of coming out in potentially stressful situations. I've mm-hmm. been doing that a lot is more right. what I meant. You have practice. Um, yeah. Just quantity of times that I've been coming out lately. Yeah, Iris, I think you should really get into uh, specifically for the how do you de-stress because I think the rest of us are just incredibly anxious beings. So like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just- it comes out wrong or randomly or like spontaneously and everything but iris you really like prepped this and i think that's important to talk about because we also we've talked a lot collectively about like coming out to strangers but like people in our lives that's a more difficult question right like my my parents are supportive but my dad has had a really hard time with all of it and like it's easy for me to come out to like a total stranger on the street, so it's fine. Don't worry about it. Like that doesn't always translate to a personal life. Yeah, and I mean, exactly. even even my family, who are great and would definitely take it totally fine, I'm still worried about. And, yeah, there's you know, still as much, an anxiety there. As much as yeah. I know they're going to be totally fine with it, it still is just something that I'm working up to and planning yeah. for. So it's a long term thing. Especially because, like, even if someone you know comes around and is fine and like gets their act together or whatever if someone says something hurtful right off the bat like that's still gonna leave a mark yeah it's still it just changes the relationship in a way that you can't recover after it's happened yeah that's always just a stressful thing to even anticipate let alone actually act on yeah yeah and i think especially with um coming out as polyamorous specifically because like there's um there's a different layer um of coming out depending on the um type of thing you're coming out as whether you're coming out as trans or you're coming out as queer or bisexual like there's different stereotypes there's different levels of societal acceptance at this point um there's different levels of like the people who you know and their familiarity with it and um there's something specific about um, when I was prepping to come out as polyamorous that was uniquely stressful um, in a different way than any time that I'd just come out as bisexual or queer. And I think a big part of it is that there's no script for it. There's no, um, oh, okay, I've seen TV shows or movies or books or something with a lot of uh, queer experiences, but I haven't seen a lot of that with people coming out as polyamorous. So it kind of feels like there's less of a roadmap for how that's supposed to go. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's also this sense of like, even if somebody might be accepting of it, they're probably going to have a lot of questions because it's something that is even less talked about or or even less like kind of on the public consciousness in um, average society. Everybody just like assumes the default of monogamous in a similar way to everybody 10 years ago would de- or even more recently would assume the default of um, trans or queer is that like that you're not um, queer or trans. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And not that those things aren't still a thing, but um, there's just no roadmap for polyamory. So when that was like, I've even talked about like in the idea of coming out as pan and everything, like, do I come out as bisexual? Is that easier? Because at pe- least people know what that means. Because, like, a lot of people don't talk about pansexuality and, like, what it actually means and why it's different than bisexuality. And, like, in a lot of ways, it's not, you know? But in a lot of ways, it it is. is. (laughs) Yeah, there's some overlap, but then there's also a lot of important differences. Yeah, Yeah, but it's, like, if you come out to people who have such, like, a small understanding of the queer community and all these terms and everything, do at least make it, like, quote-unquote easier on them to understand what you're saying and everything. Right, try to use language they might have heard previously. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so so first of all, one of the things that I highly recommend when it comes to any sort of coming out, but 
specifically um, polyamory, since most people don't have a roadmap, is um, start with just like something simple. And it can be as simple as opening the conversation. This is how I've come out to a lot of people, especially people I'm more comfortable coming out with, um, but that are still close to me and that it was still a stressful thing about, um, is just that question of, do you know what polyamory is? And just see what they say, because <laughs> you haven't even come out yet. You're just posing a hypothetical. You're not even posing a hypothetical. You're just asking them if they have any context for the thing you're about to come out as. Good I also test. recommend that for coming out as non-binary, which I tend to run into a similar issue with. I, I joke about yeah. it being like coming out challenge mode where you have to like define <laughs> a bunch of terms first. Yeah. Anytime you have to define terms while you're coming out, it just adds an additional layer of stress. Yeah, so like that that opener of like, okay, do you even know what this is? We can go from there. Like it's really it's really smart. Just to make sure you're on the same page. Yeah. Make yeah. sure you're reading the same book. <laughs> God, yeah. Yeah. So I had um two close family members that I came out to um like each individually over the phone and both of the times I started with like, do you know what this is? And um usually got like a either yes or like I got I think one time I got a like kind of and then we I kind of defined what it meant to me really quick and then went into the so I just wanted to tell you that I am polyamorous and that I'm with the three people you know I live with including my partner you do know about and kind of just seeing like how that was taken and for the most part, it's like, on one hand, it's complicated and it's stressful and there's a lot of build up. But in my experience with people who are chill, there's maybe like some confusion or some clarifying that needs to be done. But for the most part, people are just like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess that makes sense. And then like, you can crack jokes about like, oh, well, it's so much cheaper to live with, you know, four people in New York City, as opposed to two people in New York City, <laughs> or uh, don't you or like, especially if um, their parents and their um, monogamous, like, don't you wish you could have raised kids with four adults instead of two adults? Um, <laughs> My sister's first joke was, wow, those extra hands really would have helped with sleep training. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So especially when two of y'all don't sleep. <laughs> exactly. We have all the schedules. It's going to be perfect for having kids. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like there's there's that. So I think part of the de-stressing in advance is like having a script for yourself. And because there isn't a script, this is the best I can offer is just try to go in with um, some expectations of um, what you want to say when it comes to like how you define polyamory or whatever you're coming out as. And also um, know the stereotypes, know the things that people mm -hmm. tend to ask or say that might be super uncomfortable and prepare yourself in advance so you feel like you have a script to fall back on because that's what always um, helps me with with trying to like take some of the burden of stress off of it in advance um well and in so many queer identities too people really want to know about your sex life mm -hmm. yep. and like the you're welcome to say whatever you want based on how you feel about that and everything but also like they have no right to know that yeah that's private information yeah and you can tell them that yeah. Like, I don't go around asking heterosexual couples what they're doing in bed. Yeah. Yeah. I field a lot of weird questions about sex, and my default answer is you would never ask a straight person that. And if you did, they'd be within their rights to punch you. So I'm going to advise that you not ask trans people that anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like that, like, I, I've had even when, like, ultimately we've arrived at some sense of support, I've had really uncomfortable coming out. So that happens sometimes. Like, I, I had um, a set of family members I came out to at the same time who didn't react terribly. They didn't disown me. They didn't, you know, um, kick me out. But um, there were those uncomfortable questions. The first thing out of one of their mouths was about, um, well, how does that work with your sex life? That's super inappropriate. But like, I'm also somebody who's super comfortable about talking about sex. So thankfully, I was also braced for that in the back of my head as well. And I had a stock answer that I was prepared to, to bring to the table with that. And um, then sometimes I've had really, really short, really good coming outs where it's just been like, 
okay, so like this is a thing, and that person being like, okay, I've shifted my worldview. Got it. You're good. Like that's that's super cool. Or um, I, I get where you're coming from. I, I understand that. Um, and obviously, it's easier to come out to somebody who's already part of the queer community. Um, yeah. And it also it can be a really amazing opportunity for maybe somebody has something to tell you as well. That's happened to me as well with uh, with a family <laughs> member where I came out to them as polyamorous and they felt comfortable to come out to me as um, a shade of queer. So it can be a really affirming and good experience. It can be a super uncomfortable experience. But if you go in prepared with your script and knowing that regardless of how that person reacts, it's their problem. You are valid. You are loved by this community and you you will have you know, a community to fall back upon if um, anybody reacts poorly, because if somebody reacts poorly, even in the moment, they might still come around, they might still um, be able to sit with it for a while, especially something that they're really unequipped for or unprepared on the societal spectrum for like polyamory, they might need some time, they might need to work some through some stuff. But as long as you equip yourself with, you know, some expectations on how they might react, and then try to not build it up too much in your head and just do it. Um, that's been my experience of like the best way to go about it for me, at least. Can't I think speak also, everyone, but yeah. yeah, I think also something that uh, Iris did and also like therapists will recommend and everything too is make sure you have like an out strategy if yeah. the worst does come yeah. to pass. So like just make sure you're not trapped in a place and make yeah. sure that you're safe and make sure you know that you can leave if yeah. things do happen. Yeah. I also highly recommend I've come out over the phone more often than I've come out uh, um, in person, especially in this global pandemic. Maybe it's now now is a really good moment to come out to some of your relatives that you might otherwise be uncomfortable coming out to by giving them a phone call, because then if they react poorly, you can hang up the phone. Highly sure. recommend it. People um, get like I, I even got weirdly like wrapped up in like the oh, I feel like this is something I should tell them in person and stuff like that. You don't owe them anything. So if what's safest and best for you is to do it over the phone, do it over the phone. If you really want to have that experience in person, I did not think that um, the, per- the people that I told that I told in person were going to react poorly. But I still had a plan of like, okay, here's where I'll go. Here's how I get a ride home. Here's how I do X, Y, and Z thing to make sure that I was being safe and felt um, equipped to go into that situation. That's a really good point. Yeah, I think we should we should move. Yeah, yeah I think that we're was good. a yeah. long topic. Next Sorry. Question. I think no, it's so important though. Yeah. I don't know. It's nice to be coming able to be out like, is hard and scary. Things. Yeah. Here's some yeah. things, and also we love you. You're drawing yeah. the start of the roadmap that we didn't have. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Coming yeah, out coming is hard, and hard. it's scary, and it's okay for it to be something that is intimidating. That being said, as long as you feel like you're safe to do so, the worst case scenario is probably not that dire. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it is helpful to like run through those those yeah. scenarios with somebody you trust. There's exactly. there's really a lot to be said for sitting down with someone you trust and being like, okay, here's the absolute direst worst case scenario, and here's how I'm going to deal with it. And personally, that's a major way I manage my anxiety is feeling like I'm equipped for that worst case scenario because it means that if the, it comes to pass, I'm going to be okay. And also, yeah. it's probably not going to be the most dire situation so that anything else you feel super <laughs> handled and super equipped for. Yeah, so um, true. Like, it yeah. depends on the scenario. Of but course. like, as a rule, if you're coming out as something that you're going to need to define, ask that question first. Don't open with the coming out. It just makes it all go a lot smoother. Mm-hmm. And if you're coming out to just like random folks who don't run any part of your life, it's okay. Like, take some deep breaths. Give it a whirl. Yeah. Also, like, they're great practice. Yeah. The yeah, old thing about using like other names at Starbucks, if you're like trans and closeted and starting to consider coming out to people, that barista is not going to remember you. Yeah. <laughs> I have trotted out plenty of names on baristas. It is fine. Yeah. And also, um, I do just want to like put in one last plug before we move on that come out when you're ready too. like, it's okay to be in the closet longer. If that's what's right for you. It's okay to come out when it's time for you, even if you don't feel like the people around you might be ready. Like it's the coming out should really be about you and about your readiness and your experience and what you want to do. I finally got to the point where I was like, I'm going to start coming out to family members because I'm sick of not being out. And that's just not worth it for me anymore. But it's all about whatever it's right for you. And there's no shame in hanging out in the closet for a little longer if you need the extra time. And like, it's okay if you need to tell your 
partners you need to wait to. I mean, like, as you can see, we're perfectly split half and half, and that's totally fine. We all have ways that we are out, and we have ways that we share our identities that feel safe and right for all of us. Exactly. Exactly. So full full spectrum of, of experiences. <laughs> that is the helpful part of us for. I think the TLDR is like, take some deep breaths. It's going to be okay. Like the community has your back. Yeah. yeah. And we love you and pr- are proud of you. You got yeah. this. We believe in you. <laughs> Had to put it in Adorable. there. Want to <laughs> hit us with our next question, Sage? Yeah. So this one comes from Tumblr user <laughs> Curious by Nature Ashandant. Uh, what's something you are oddly scared of and something that makes you weirdly happy? I can start this one if you want, unless, Sage, you want to start it. Yeah, I, I have a, a few answers to this one, actually. Yeah. Oddly scared of. Uh, well, I'll, I'll start with the heavy one, which is um, uh, losing my memory, mm-hmm. which isn't really a, a weird one. My grandfather had Alzheimer's and watching that was a little bit, yeah. Uh, so yeah. that's definitely something that I'm weirdly scared of and i don't think i really need to go into much more detail about that one um yeah on a that's super legit on very relatable a lighter note um so i have this weird thing with fruit and (laughs) and i don't know what i was expecting but it wasn't that (laughs) and for the life of me i have no idea where it came from but i just other than like a couple of specific exceptions and some fruits that are in things like blueberry muffins or something, I just won't eat most fruit. And it's just this like weird phobia that I developed at some point when I was super young. And I still have not managed to get over it. And it's truly bizarre. And yeah, that's really all I've got about about this one. I don't know where it came from and it's apparently here to stay. So cheers. <laughs> it is a stubborn one. Do we want to do all scares and then we'll do all happies? Yeah, I like that. Yeah, idea. I think so. Um, I have, I don't have a ton of like weird things I'm afraid of. I have completely logical things that I'm afraid of because of trauma and also being a cis woman in this world. Big mood. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, oddly scared of the I like it's not scared. I but I hate belly buttons. <laughs> I don't like looking at them. I don't like acknowledging their existence. I don't like other people's or mine or babies or anything. I just don't like belly buttons. It's yeah, I I'm I don't feel the same way, but as a concept, yeah, no, I get what you're where you're coming from. <laughs> yeah, and I don't just mean as like a kink or something. I like I don't even like looking at them in like a beach setting. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. Fair. Um, <laughs> um I don't have that many weird ones as well like I was trying to really think about this and I think my weirdest one because I just know it's it's pretty illogical is I've always had a strong phobia of roller coasters for no Mm -hmm. particular reason I think it's it's actually I I think I don't like to be on a ride that feels that out of my control Mm -hmm. which I know a lot of rides are that way but I don't know what it is about roller coasters it's like the combination of the speed the heights and the out of controlness I feel I'm just not good on them um yeah I don't know if I have any other like super duper odd ones I have like some common human ones like you know like fear of losing memory if you have a failure some trauma stuff I don't know but like I don't bugs buggies I don't yeah yeah, bugs I I hate I don't I'm not afraid of them. I just well, don't that like is them. Materially false. I don't <laughs> like them. The screams I, say that you're wrong. I'm. I don't scream. When That's I, not I, true. No. At okay. One point, cockroach locked a door and then wrote a completely logical note at like 4 a.m. about how there was a bug in her room and she wasn't fucking dealing with it. I don't even know where you slept that night. I wasn't here. That was when I was younger. I I had one time where I slept on the couch um, Mm. because I um, specifically, I don't even really mind spiders most of the time, especially the bigger the spider is, the less I mind them. Like tarantulas, I've had them walk all over me. Totally fine. However, um, when when I lose a spider, like if any bug really, (laughs) if I can see it, even I don't like dealing with them. I'm kind of a princess. So like if I can get a part, I have three partners. Most of the time I can get somebody else to deal with a bug for me because I really don't like them. It's usually me. It's usually you. And I really appreciate that, Fox. However, um, I usually if I can get rid of the bug, it's fine. However, if I lose a bug, that's when I freak out. That is my weird one. Um, because if I lose a bug, I will do something like when I was younger, I once lost a spider that I was trying to kill 
in the middle of trying to kill it and um, couldn't fall asleep when I tried. So I slept out on the couch. Yeah, yeah. that's that's a valid response, honestly. Yeah. yeah, I just don't like to. I don't like bugs that I don't know where they are. <laughs> you have to keep tabs. I like to keep tabs bugs. on them. Yeah. No secret bugs. Um, but yeah, that's my my oddly scared. All right, Fox, what are you scared of? What do you got? Um, hmm. I Similarly, I'm not scared of a lot that is illogical. I am, for example, also a little jittery about some amusement park rides, but that's because I was one time at an amusement park while a ride broke. Um, Ooh. <laughs> Wait, I'm s- yeah, that'll do when, it. When you say broke, how dramatically did this break? To the best of my knowledge, there were no fatalities. But I know there were injuries. Okay. Pretty bad then. Yeah. yeah it was one of those swing trees that spin. Ooh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah for example, <laughs> um, not a huge fan of those. Um, in terms of weird stuff, I, I really, I will handle almost any bug. I don't like the big weaver spiders. Again, likewise, I usually mind bugs less the bigger they are. However, I was once bitten by like a big weaver spider and they're really not that dangerous. Normally you can get bitten by them all goddamn day and you will be fine. I am allergic to them. (laughs) Uh, Because of course you are. I am allergic to them. I'm allergic to very few things, but somehow I've encountered all of them. They're all weird and obscure and under no circumstances should I ever have encountered them. But I am allergic to big weaver spiders and they just make my, they made like my whole leg swell up and I didn't like that shit at all. I'm legitimately afraid of my computer catching on fire someday, but I think I have concrete evidence for that. You do? Yeah, that's that's a very (laughs) valid fear. Uh, Yeah, I think that's kind of it. Yeah, do you want to move on to um, Weird Joys, Sage? Yeah, Yeah, I can do that. Um, hmm, where do I want to start with this one? I really love how much we collectively confuse people when we're out in public. Because when we're at (laughs) just like a club or a social function, and we're just interchangeably affectionate, watching the like, double takes and glances that we get Mm. is just it it gives me so much joy. And I, I don't know why, but it's it's really funny to me, and it's I very funny. miss being out in public and getting to do that. Also, the like practically code-like language that we use to speak to each other within our own home, with all of the memes encoded into it, is is, yeah. is lovely. Absolutely. Yeah. Between the weird senses of humor, the weird in jokes, and the memes, like we speak almost a different language when we're just the four of us. We also have a lot of call-in responses. Yeah. Yeah, you the... guys use me like a soundboard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can start a quote and Fox will just finish it for you. It's very satisfying. It is. Um and then other other weird joys like this is more of a personal one but specifically going out for drives near rivers because just like driving by a river in like the early spring when everything is still just like starting to get growing and just has that like wet green growing smell that that makes me weirdly happy Mm -hmm. that seems fair um mine is very specific and also kind of weird i guess um i really like textures and not just like touching them sometimes i just like looking at textures like sea anemones i'm a really big fan of just looking at photos of sea anemones uh it also feeds over into my absolute i I don't even know my like complete admiration yeah maybe obsession with jellyfish (laughs) yeah it's an obsession love jellyfish yeah, I love all of them. I like how their tentacles look. I like watching them swim. They make you I so like happy. I like how stupid they are. They re- <laughs> I, ju- I love them, and they make no sense, and they shouldn't live, and I love them. <laughs> but yeah, I really like jellies, but I really like, I think it's really about this, like, it's all rooted in, like, I just really like textures. They yeah, do They do look like so they bad. should feel really fascinating, which is extremely unfortunate. They should mm-hmm. be, like, slightly overcooked noodles. <laughs> <laughs> Not I'm that just gonna that. leave that one there. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> um, should I go? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. I've been trying to think. I have a couple. I really like um, when you get to cross the last thing off of a to do list. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, Son and I are both very to do list heavy people, and like that last cross off of a to do list for the day is like weirdly super um, 
satisfying and brings me a lot of joy. Um, I've thought of a couple other weird ones. Um, I really like, I have um, a really dumb, one of the post-it note dispensers and it just makes me weirdly happy to have the like accordion post-it notes and to have like, I don't know why they just, it, you like office supplies. I like office supplies like a lot. <laughs> like we have, we have all these like really specific notepads in our home. Like we have shopping lists and we have like a meal planning one and we have one that's like, just like notes. And we have like a full to-do list calendar for an entire month for our podcast. And like, I have a week by week breakdown one that I write my to-dos on so i just like list making and i just like prep energy babe yeah big prep energy (laughs) on on me but um yeah those those were two of them that i thought of and there was one more but i have forgotten because my brain is swiss cheese (laughs) we can come back there if you remember um hmm i like I don't know, weird stuff that I enjoy. I can I enjoy a lot of weird stuff. I'm I'm yeah, <laughs> having some difficulty isolating specifics. Um I don't know. I like listening to orchestras warm up. Hmm. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I can absolutely <laughs> okay. get behind that. I would listen to an entire C D of that. Yeah. Like, you know, I instrumental music, I can very rarely listen to an entire ten minutes of it. I will take a fucking instant nap but i like listening to orchestras warm up it's super chaotic it's really wild i like trying to pick out individual instruments i like the way everybody kind of coalesces into being in tune from sounding like total hot garbage (laughs) it brings me great joy listening to orchestras specifically tune at the beginning of performances so good Mm -hmm. i'm a big fan okay all right. Ready for this quick question? I think this one's going to be a nice short definition. Does, so yeah, just yeah. Son, take it away. All right. This question comes from a bestie on Patreon. Our subscriber, Ka- uh, Catherine, Catrian. Catrian. <laughs> <laughs> Were you going for Catrian? Catherine on Catrian. Catrian. Okay. This comes. Woo. This comes from our bestie on Patreon, Catherine. The term demiromantic has been explained to me in the past, and I always forget what it means. Is it that romanticism is rooted in emotional connection, or is it being really attracted to someone's mind and intellect? Iris, do you want to hit us with the definition first? Our local demiromantic? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm just going to pull a quick uh, definition off of Urban Dictionary, and then I'm just going to... Yeah, that's the source of choice here. Okay, well, there's Urban Dictionary, there's (laughs) Queer Undefined, which is like a bunch of different random Mm. people just giving definitions, or there's, um, I did find one from um, the Asexuality New Zealand Trust, if you think that's a better. uh, (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Um, we trust the New Zealanders. Or wiki.asexual.org. Whatever feels spiritually correct for you. Whatever moves you. Honestly, the shortest one is probably going to be the Urban Dictionary. Honestly. It is. So I'll I'll do that, and I'll also read maybe the one off of... We can talk about it. You know what it means anyway. Just read the definition and then talk about it. Yeah, trust yourself a little more, babe. That's what we do. We're a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) They don't pay us to be accurate. (laughs) We tell people we're not accurate. We're trying our best. It's true. We include a disclaimer. Yeah, (laughs) Okay, so the Urban Dictionary definition is when you don't have romantic feelings for someone until you form a strong emotional connection with them, which I thought was actually a pretty decent, like, one-sentencer on it. Yeah, it's a good sum up, but um, the way I typically define it for myself and my experience of demi-romantic has been, A, um, I think it's worth um, stating that it's part of the aromantic spectrum. And obviously, like, um, aromantic and asexual are, like, the two different halves of the romantic and sexual orientation chart, um, where you don't experience romantic feelings in the same way as, like, the general populace has agreed upon. Mm -hmm. So the way I experience demiromantic is um, that strong emotional connection tends to be very specifically, I do not develop romantic attraction towards a person until I'm, like, best friends with them. Like, known them probably for a couple of years at least um have a strong foundation of trust with them have like probably and lived with them for multiple years <laughs> yeah yeah just just as a hypothetical though just as a hypothetical crazy random concept 
Yeah. So, like, one of the things is, like, um, I used to always, I, I was really glad when I found the demi-romantic identity, uh, because it can be something that's super frustrating when everybody around you is, like, having crushes on a bunch of different people and is talking about, like, romance and dating and marriage and all that different stuff. And, like, you can't visualize it. And um, then all of a sudden you've been friends with somebody for years and a switch flips and suddenly it's like, oh, no, I'm in love with you. <laughs> Oops. It's usually like your best friend. Yeah, and a lot of times that doesn't go well because um, at that point when you're so far into a relationship, a lot of times um, you've already kind of strictly defined your relationship as friendship. So that can be challenging at times. However, I've come around on the positive side of it um, in that it really does mean that anytime I want to, um, like, I start developing this romantic attachment, it means that I do have that foundation of, like, a strong friendship, that I'm not starting from nothing when it comes to building a romantic um, relationship and a romantic partnership. It always means that I have this, like, strong foundation of trust and this strong foundation of, like, I know exactly who this person is. That's why I want to spend the rest of my life with them. So um, it's, you know, it's definitely just a different way. It's just a different way to, to feel romantic attraction. And I'm actually, I've really come around around to being like no i like this about me this is a cool thing i mean your hit rate's pretty good yeah, yeah. now you yeah. know like honestly i probably have only developed serious crushes for maybe five people in my life and three of them i'm currently actively planning to spend the rest of my life with so you know what <laughs> pretty good hit rate that's a good hit rate <laughs> honestly i feel like it gets you in less trouble than me at the other end of the spectrum <laughs> falling in love with people <laughs> all of them just anybody them. around i mean like i told sage in full honesty and incredibly really that i was f in love with him and wanted to spend the rest of my life with him at like day seven of our relationship <laughs> and like yep. yeah we knew each other before and we're friends and everything but like that was me holding back because like <laughs> i probably could have told him that at the end of our first date because i was already sure yeah. i don't know and that's i like, adore you that's so sweet, though. You're just such a lovely person. <laughs> and, like, yeah, that was, like, a little... That was definitely never happened before when I was, like, fully in love with somebody that early and everything. But, like, I did have a foundation with him. But, like, I definitely have the problem of, like, I've dated so many people because I do form crushes out of nowhere for no particular reason. Someone could be nice for, to me for, like, 15 minutes and I'd be like, you want to date? <laughs> for, like, six months and just see how it goes? Yeah, I don't I know. Definitely, I definitely feel that for my, my own past relationships. The, the minute, like... <laughs> An initial attraction is present the minute like that interest is expressed on both sides. And I'm just, I was just gone. I require yeah. an embossed invitation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I see a guy walking around in the street that kind of looks a little bit like Hoger, And I'm like, oh, you want to get married though? Because our babies would be beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> you just made Sage do a spit take. That was perfect. Uh, <laughs> I timed it. I was waiting in the corner. <laughs> It's so rude. So rude. <laughs> no, I actually wasn't, uh, but it worked out. I was actually going to make a hosier joke because I was going to say someone new by hosier playing in the background. Yeah, that's the energy. No, legitimately me. Like you that, summed I up listened song. to that song the first time. Yeah, I listened to that for the first time and I was like, oh, other people feel this way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> no, it's so funny too because I. Um, I have a very distinct, like, romantic versus sexual attraction as well. Mm. Like, I'm very much the type of person, too, that, like, is um, super comfortable, like, with, uh, like, just sex and sexuality and that sort of stuff. And I just, like, can so easily develop that sort of attraction towards a person but like it's some so completely divorced from romantic attraction because of the fact that um that i typically don't develop it until way down the road mm. i think it's really funny because you and i are literally opposite on both of these things yeah like i would like a formal written invitation for like anything sexual to happen but yeah. i'm like but we could date for six months <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, meanwhile, I'm like, oh, no, we could be, like, friends with benefits or something like that. But that doesn't mean that, like, and, like, but I don't that would like be super you. fun. <laughs> I don't, like, I don't have plans for you long term to be, like, a romantic partner and someone I raise kids with or get married to. And then meanwhile, I'm, like, turning around and I'm like, I know we've been, like, really super close, like, super non-sexual, non-romantic friends for years and years now. But um, just a heads up. I've fallen in love with you out of the blue, woke up one day. Just, Direct just quote happened. from the conversation that was yeah. happening with me in senior year. 
Yeah. No, literally, I woke up um, when it came to Fox. I literally, like, woke up with perfect clarity one morning and went, oh, I'm in love with Fox. Oh, no. <laughs> Iris and Fox Ooh, are shit. the slowest slow burn fic you have ever read. Yep. yep. True. True. <laughs> literally, like, stretching over, like, what, six years to get to the point where Approaching we're at Approaching eight. Yeah, wow. Yeah, it's been a long time. Holy crap, yep. it's been eight <laughs> goddamn years. eight for Iris, approaching seven for me. Yeah, well, that's true, too, because <laughs> because I I was, like, I had, like, a, a besties crush on you. Like, I wanted, like, I also, something I've been getting more familiar with when it comes to, like, the ace and arrow um, community is like the queer platonic mm-hmm. idea of like people who you get like super attached to but in like a platonic way mm. so like i can form these like really strong long-term um bonds that have nothing to do with like sex or romance and stuff as well so um that's like another also wonderful part of the um ace and arrow community but yeah anyway yeah romantic humans are weird yeah. We, we all experience a lot of variety. romantic and sexual attraction in a lot of different ways, and that's really cool. What's the cool. What's the Star Trek quote? Infinite diversity through infinite combinations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sums like that? it up pretty good. Right? Yeah. I like it. Not to be a total nerd. It's a Vulcan <laughs> thing. <laughs> you, Don't worry about yes. it. I'm showing you all Star Trek fooling, for movie night, by the way. You're not I'm showing you guys Star, Star Trek this week. Cool. That's so what's I think it's funny because you're going to show us Star Trek and then we're going to come back around to my week and I'm going to show you guys John Tucker must die. <laughs> Great. <laughs> the two halves of this relationship. Infinite diversity, guys. <laughs> Through infinite combinations. All right, we want to go to the last question. Yeah. Sounds good to me. All right. So um, this is a wonderful question from our uh, Patreon subscriber, Nani. When's your anniversary? Is there any particular reason all four of you respond to ice cream and customer service like it's mood lighting and romantic music? I want to get out ahead of this really quick (laughs) 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 and point out that you three respond to ice cream and customer service that way. I respond to living in an, like, long-term home with people and getting a embossed invitation to the tune of like hey would you like to consider an emotional attachment that is reciprocal after a couple of years that way because i'm deeply obtuse (laughs) yeah and i I will also say i i found out that i liked sage not in the ice cream shop that we worked together in for like three years at that point. Like we went away to a conference and an that's ice, when I figured out. An ice out. cream conference though. An okay. Conference. I don't think you get points. <laughs> yeah, you don't, babe. Sorry. You know, all right. You know, I, I, I redact it. We also, it. we went on, we went on a not really date where we got milkshakes, which contain ice cream. So like even more. We did. No. Oh. Yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> ice cream is just... We, we literally got ice cream last night, and it was great. It was. Oh, we still have more in the freezer. Cream. Hell yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so <laughs> anyone anyone want to actually uh, give oh. the day of our anniversary? November Yeah, we had to executively 9th? decide. <laughs> yeah, that's actually... That's a whole story worth going into, because we had so many different dates that we could have used, but ultimately we decided on the day when we were also, all... November 9th. I nailed it. <laughs> Permanently moved in. Did you together. look it up? Well, I said November 9th and then I checked and I was correct. Okay. I have the recording. <laughs> no, I can they prove did. it. I, yeah, I, I right. could hear that. They were just, they said it, it was very quiet. quietly. It's because I didn't think I was trick. right. I thought I was wrong. I'm terrible. With okay, dates. but Wanna Sage did say that we, so we executively decided our. From the top again? <laughs> No. Oh, no. So we executively decided our anniversary because like, well, okay, hold on. So the two like couples that make up the quapple, the primary partners, the anchor partners. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Words um, do have like their own anniversaries, Avi. Yeah. But we all decided to be polyamorous and in a relationship together in like a kind of organic way over like a couple of conversations and stuff. So you can't really point to like, oh, on September 9th, we decided it was going to work and we were doing it and we were going to do this forever. It kind of just happened. So we backdated it. Yeah, Yeah, so we backdated it to the date that we all moved in together, which is actually the day that specifically Fox moved into the house that the three of us already lived in together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And something just changed. Yeah. Because, like, from that day on, we were all, like, pretty affectionate and, like, would cook together. We made only family meals. We always ate at the dining room together. We really, like, 
planned all of our outings together as like a whole and like went on dates together. Do you ever think yeah. about how baffling it is that this ended up happening? Like, do you ever just like think all the way back <laughs> through odds. all of the different decisions that we made and like the fact that like before we even decided to be in a relationship together that we were already basically acting like a family? Yeah. Sage and I decided to move into like a big house specifically so Iris could be there. And yeah. like also it had an extra room that just happened to be perfect for Fox to live in too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no big deal. Definitely didn't plan that. <laughs> yeah. No, it's one of those things where um, they're also it just like Fox would come visit us for like long periods of time because they'd be away for a couple months and then they would come out and they would visit us because they were currently living uh, with their parents up in Maine hmm. after like we had shared a room and shared um, an three years at that last point? year for three years at that point. So we'd been super used to living together. And I was so depressed with Fox all the way in Maine and me in Massachusetts. So <laughs> there was that factor, too. But it also like. Even just in the group, there was a whole dynamic shift whenever Fox was around. Mm-hmm. Like, everything just fell into place whenever Fox was around as well. And we were just, like, this really functional unit when Fox would come stay for um, a couple weeks. And then they would go home, and I would get depressed. Careful, you're going to give me an ego. I think we all did. Like, I think that's kind of how a lot of this yeah. started, is we all realized that whenever Fox went away, that we were all just a little bit sad. And we wanted them yeah. here all the time. Yeah, because it was definitely like, I didn't know Fox almost at all when I was like, no, it's better. And not just Iris. We're all just like better when they're here. And I don't know why. And like, also at that point too, like I wasn't really an active part of like the queer community. Like I've known for a really long time that I wasn't straight, but like I really didn't know about polyamory or like how it was practiced and how like all of that works and everything. So like, we started all just living together and doing everything together. And it was always just like, yeah, our little family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And like, there yeah. was never this like, Sage and I are going to get engaged and move out and have some kids and do the whole like straight hetero couple. Like it just never felt right. Yeah. Well, there was also this big conversation early on after Fox moved in that was really about the fact that like, no, everybody keeps like talking about the fact that like, oh, well, one day Sage and Son are going to get engaged and they're going to move out and they're going to have kids. And like, we don't want that. Like before we were even putting polyamory to it, um, there was still this very much so sense of like, no, that would be weird. Like, we don't want to move out. We want like, and at first it was like, oh, well, you guys will have kids, but we can all live together. Mm -hmm. Well, originally it was like Sage and I were going to buy a big estate somewhere and you guys are going to have a little house (laughs) in the same property so that we can be near each other all the time it's very totally aspirational no homo like though to point out. yeah which is totally normal very heterosexual super normal <laughs> no and it, it just i really love how organically our relationship developed i also like i had oh, i've literally only ever had open relationships or some shade of polyamorous relationship or something so it like it really felt really organic and right for me as well um so i i don't know how the conversations actually like kind of came out that and actually happened but i think there was like really a sense of me of being like this is just fine like regardless of how it works out i don't care what terms we put to it or whatever i just want to know everybody's on the same page and that like we're cool all staying together long term because it would be a huge bummer if we didn't mm-hmm. yeah and i yeah. think that was that was really where it ended up of being like it would be a huge bummer if we weren't all together <laughs> We like this, and, and like, we want to stay this That's what you know in your relationship, right? Yeah. Like, if you're happier with a person, yeah. yeah. If you're happier with a person, then you are separate. <laughs> what else is there? <laughs> Literally yeah. the only criteria for should I be in a relationship with this person? Yeah. Yeah. Honestly. Well, all right. Not the only criteria, but an important one. Yeah. Also, you should be, like, good for each other and be able to have functional conversations and, like, c- communicate. It's a big yeah. one, though. It's a big yeah. fact. It is. And um, circling back around to the whole ice cream and, and customer, customer service, service like oh, mood, yeah. <laughs> mood lighting and romantic music. I Here's my theory. Mm-hmm. You have a theory? I have, have a theory. theory. Okay. I do. Once you have seen someone having a complete fucking meltdown <laughs> at like 10 p.m. on the middle of like the worst week in July at a customer service job, you have seen the worst that person has to offer. And if you still like them, you should probably get married. <laughs> that is my theory. I'm only sort of joking. 
No, that's so fair, though, because, like, we really, we went through so much as customer service representatives together. And, like, specifically, Mm. we were all in varying degrees of management together. Mm. So, like, we we really, and, like, there was always a sense of, like, we deeply cared about the people that we had working for us because we also had a bunch of, like, people who are a couple years younger for us that really looked up to us as, like, like parental figures and as the adults even though we were still super young there were a lot of people who it was their first job like this was their entry into the working world and like we weren't that far out of it ourselves we wanted we just felt like we had a responsibility a deep responsibility that went a lot further than just being like okay you guys have to do your jobs now but also like i don't know if y'all know this but customer service is hell (laughs) yep if you didn't know now you know yeah we spend a lot of time like emotionally caring for these other people and like there's a natural point of that of being like these are now all of my 17 children that i take care (laughs) of emotionally and make sure that they like drink water and eat regularly and take breaks and like know they're worthwhile them in the summer yeah Yeah. we were we were three co-parents to 40 children Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah and i was like the weird relative on call that i would like get a text from sage that was just like a picture of an injury and be like you think this person needs to go to the hospital and i would be like okay we're doing this now great the cool and also medical making aunt our ice cream who cakes. yeah who also decorates and makes all of our ice cream cakes what's yeah. the what's the non-gendered aunt uncle i've heard Their people go of- with uncle and i just that's uncle. bad to say <laughs> yeah bad to say not in love with listening to it not gonna let people use it for me. For some reason, my brain said, uh, the instead of like the man from Uncle, the non binary individual from Uncle. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, <laughs> I gotta say, I don't respond to customer service, uh, anymore like it is what is it, mood lighting and romantic music? But the yeah, thing yeah. the thing that occasionally reminds me of all of the good moments that we used to have when we were in customer service is whenever we're doing some kind of shared task together and mm-hmm. we just kind mm-hmm. of recover that muscle memory of like, this is where this person is going to step, this is what they need, here's how I need to turn to let them buy me in this tiny fucking kitchen. And just like, yeah. we had this, this sixth sense Uh, between Mm -hmm. all of us at one point where we were working within what like a foot of each other at all times like between the register and the ice cream cabinets and everything else quick and moving fast like sprinting downstairs upstairs along the counter and we didn't have time to like shout at each other hey behind you every time and we just we knew you just knew yeah. And then, I think the big thing here too also is a relation of like seeing everyone at their worst. We saw everyone at their worst and at their best because yeah. like completing lines and doing that stuff like is really successful and feels really good. Mm-hmm. But also like we're an excellent team yeah. and we yeah. always have been. Yeah, and that's always developed really organically. And mm-hmm. we complement each other is the thing. Like there's stuff that I'm better at because I tend to be a little bit more deliberate uh and then there's stuff that you guys are a lot better at because you think a lot faster on your feet. And that was the reason that we all did so well is because like I could hang out in the background and try to make a little bit more grand decisions about how the night was going to go and where people needed to be placed. And you guys would just execute it. And I didn't need to worry about how because I knew you'd get it done. And also just trust. Yeah. Like I will say working in customer service and like working in front of people and with food and all that kind of stuff does come with a lot of you have to trust your coworkers. And like Mm -hmm. that's a kind of beautiful place to start friendships with. And I still have a few friends from that like outside of this small group too. Because like there's something about just working for like sometimes 14 hour days with these other people that you depend on entirely. And like that's a huge level of trust. Yeah, absolutely. Also, just getting to the point of a mind meld where you think, Mm. hmm, I need something. And then you turn around and the person has that thing in their hands and is handing it to you. That's a good feeling. Is, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, there's just this like this natural extension of yourself with with the other people around you which is i think why we like like the show sensei so much because it's yeah. like mm-hmm. it's the literal like fictitious taking that to the logical extreme of no what if you actually had like a a psychic link with these people but it just feels so good when you're just so on the same wavelength and so on the same page as somebody all the time it's the modern um, equivalent of great- like a battle couple 
You know that yeah. trope? <laughs> Definitely. The Shield Brothers trope? Are you, That's the modern equivalent. Fox, are you telling me that the ice cream store was not a battleground? Because look, <laughs> That's look exactly at me. what I'm saying. Tell me. I'm saying it's 100% a battleground. Okay, that is the great. modern equivalent. Good. I love it. I really like, I like the, the sensate yeah, angle that's on good. that too. Because like it really would come in handy to just like, it's just the next step of being able to be in somebody else's body. And you know what? It would have fucking came in handy. That yeah, been awesome. I could be so tall as needed. It would be so good for me. <laughs> the dream. Just borrow oh. me for a moment there. Yeah, and I also like we all have our own talents and everything, and like hell yeah, that comes in handy. Like, yeah. oh my god, 100%. yeah, yeah, no. And um, uh, before before we wrap up, have we told the story, son, of how you told me you were into Sage before on the podcast? I'm not sure if it got covered in the Story of Us episode. It's always know. worth telling again. It's a just, good just story. Just go for it. Um, it's, it's really quite cute funny. And it's directly, directly relevant. Is um, son so walked after up to the me. ice cream convention? Yeah, when I found out that I was in love with Sage. <laughs> yeah, son just walked up to me completely out of the blue one day. Wait, and hey, hey sorry, I, I don't mean to interrupt, but was this not after the car crash that I got in? Yeah, this was pre ice cream convention. Oh, it was, wasn't it? Oh yeah, yeah 100% oh. it was. <laughs> Shit, okay, never mind, sorry. Yeah, no, it's totally That fine. was definitely, yeah, so Sage got in a car accident and called, was I the first person you called? Second? I think it was insurance, parents, and then you. Yeah, okay, so, but Sage was in the hospital. I was fine, for the record. I might have had a mild concussion, but that was the worst of it. But Sage, early into all of the stuff after calling, you know, their parents and the insurance company, the logical people you call after a car accident, calls his assistant manager from work. <laughs> <laughs> And we talked for an hour about, like, making sure that he was all right and that he had his laptop and that his laptop was okay and, like, oh asking God. about the priorities here. I plan- like I was like, I don't worry about the store. I'll figure it out. Well, whatever, whatever. And, like, I don't know. There was just something about that conversation that really hit different. Yeah. And after this is after years of every all of the the, the little kids we co-parented um, <laughs> that that were running around running hell with us. Um, everybody always was like, someday, Sun and Sage, they're gonna get married and it's gonna be great. Everybody shipped them very hard. They were like, they're perfect together. They're the ultimate power couple. We love them. <laughs> So for so long, everybody was like very much so wanting that to happen for them because they thought it would make them happy. And um, all of a sudden, um, one day, like, we're just in the the ice cream store. We're just doing our normal shift. Sun mm-hmm. is going about. Um, we were at Hippie Hell. No? Yeah. We were at Hippie Hell, right? At that point, it was I was doing, I was so doing this was... fruit and vegetable inventory. Yeah, so you were doing inventory. <laughs> that was the specific part I remembered was you were doing... Uh, you were doing inventory and I was um, just uh, helping customers and stuff. And in a brief lull between customers, when you um, came up to do like the fridge right by the, the front, you just turned to me completely out of the blue and went, I think I'm in love with Sage. And then walked away as if you hadn't just <laughs> shattered my entire worldview. <laughs> as if it wasn't something we all had wanted for so long. And you just like went back to inventorying. Just, like, immediately. Yeah. yeah. I don't really know it was, like, actually going through my head at that moment and everything, but I, I think it was, like, I was really overcome with, like, a lot of things going on at that moment and everything, too. And I was like, mm-hmm. this is kind of a problem, um, <laughs> but it's happening all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And also, like, I needed to finish inventory. Gotta have to, <laughs> gotta order fruit, you know, for the gotta customer service. Gotta prioritize. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was just it was just a really funny moment. It's a moment I go back to in our relationship a lot of just this moment of like I, I was often like a person you really came to even before we started dating and like we've always been like really close confidants of each other. But it was just it was such a it was such a good moment of <laughs> of you just like walking up, dropping a huge revelation and just walking back and doing inventory. <laughs> That's how I like to do emotional conversations. <laughs> yeah, no, it was perfect. Minimal eye contact. <laughs> Don't have to look at the person for too long, and then I leave. <laughs> do, can we take a, a poll? Do we think we actually answered this question? We have no idea. Okay. <laughs> well, Nani, hit us up. Tell us if we answered this question, please. <laughs> <laughs> we tried our best. We did give our anniversary. It's November 9th. We were yeah. very cute while we didn't answer this question. <laughs> Honestly, that's what's important, right? I mean, I think <laughs> yeah, we were adorable. I feel like we did answer this though because we respond to ice cream and customer service like it's 
mood lighting and romantic music because this is how we all bonded. This is how we all met. It's yeah. also because it's a trial by fire. And yeah, yeah. that. And yeah. that. And we're, we're a no, team. Okay. And that relates. Honestly, be a team. In your relationship, yeah. be a goddamn team. I can't tell you yeah. how many times that has come in handy with literally everything. Trying to move. Yep. Yeah making dinner, uh, fighting, like every time mm-hmm. we have disagreements everything. and everything, like it always comes back to it that we're we're a team, we're always on the same side and we're always working towards a common goal. And like, mm-hmm. it really does, it helps frame everything. If we're really into our relationship, if you can't tell yet. Mm-hmm. We just and like mm-hmm. each other. love talking about it. And if you want to know more things, you should ask us. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Let us know. Yeah. Give us a whole yeah, pile of questions. Yeah, we hope you've enjoyed this. Yeah. Like, um, I, I hope this was a good format. I know we normally, this is like kind of a change up from our normal thing. But, These won't be um, too common, to, probably. No, we'll probably try to, whenever we have a, a huge backlog <laughs> well, of questions, we won't want to yeah. take forever. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll see how many questions we I get. I mean, also, on, like, if y'all basis, really like this, then we'll do it. <laughs> we will also do it more. Yeah. So, like, let us know what you think about whether or not we should do all question episodes every once in a while. If you like it, yeah, leave us a comment on a a podcast listening app. That would be awesome, super cool. Yeah, or shoot us an email. <laughs> or shoot us an email. On that on subject, Patreon. do we want to do the outro, which has all of our contact options? <laughs> yes. Here's how you can let us know if you liked things. No. <laughs> all right, that's been us, the Quapple. As always, a big thank you to Molly of Geography for the use of her song Hanahaki Bloom for our music. Come find us on Twitter or Instagram at ATWR underscore podcast, on Tumblr at quapple-network, or even by email at quapplenetwork at gmail.com. Toss us a question or an advice topic. We love hearing from you. And of course, go ahead and check out our Patreon at the ATWR podcast if you want to tip Fox for their amazing editing work. If you love our podcast, please share with your friends and leave a comment wherever you listen. And as always, remember, we believe in you. Bye. Bye. Bye.